I do welcome you this morning. Um, if you're saying, wow, this is a lot of David, don't worry. Um, you get a break from me because I'm now going to be gone for a month. So don't worry. If you're sick of me after today, you don't have to deal with me for a month. So in the words of Maui, what can I say except you're welcome? Um, is that your generation? So here's, here's, I say that because we're going to have a little phrase that I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I have found, I work also in the high school. I don't just work at the church. I'm bivocational. And I have the opportunity to have 12 school years with delightful teenagers. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Who'd like to sign up for 12 school years with delightful teenagers? I see you. See, I love you, Susan. You're awesome. See, the rest of you don't understand my pain. Now, I've actually realized that I've spent so many years with teenagers that if you take my 13 years of school and you take my 12 years working with teenagers, it comes up to 25 years. I've spent 25 years of my life going through school rituals. And the other five, like, I was too young to be in school, right? So, like, stop the madness. Now, I bring that up because for 10 of those 12 years, I really enjoyed the fact that I work in a substantially separate program, and that means that we're a school within a school. We've got a staff of like nine, and for 10 of those 12 years, I was the youngest person that I worked with by a lot, to the point of when we had unstructured time, we're careful not to talk politics because that gets divisive. We're careful not to talk about divisive things, so we talk about fun things like movies and like sports, sports heroes, music. And I use a phrase quite a lot because they're talking about things like Harry and the Hendersons, and I'm just like, what are you even talking about right now? Or the Goonies, and I'm just like, not my generation. So I'm going to throw this up, and here's what we're going to do. Also, it's been told to me that we throw up QR codes a lot, and you haven't been trained on how to do it. So this is going to be a workshop on how to use a QR code and a sermon. So pull out your phone if you'd like. You can also participate by hand. You don't need a phone. But this is going to be audience participation. So take your... Take your camera, open it up, put it at the QR code as I continue to explain what we're doing. You're going to pull it up, and you should get a little link. It pops up, and it's right here. And it should come up with not my generation. Now you've been trained on how to use a QR code. If you want to follow along this way, you can. If you want to just follow along as we do it, that's fine too. We're going to have an opportunity to see what is and is not your generation because did anyone catch a survey that went out this past week? Anybody fill out my survey? Thank you. I see you. I love you guys. You are awesome. Uh, I don't like not love you if you didn't fill out my survey. I just especially love you if you did fill out my survey. The survey was on generations. We're looking at the fifth commandment today, love your parents. Now, honor your father and mother is a tough commandment. It is. Some of us have really wonderful family structures we come from, and some of us don't. And I'm not oblivious to that. I know that when we talk about honor your father and mother in the Old Testament context, that that is very different than a 21st century context. Now, I'm going to show you how we still can no matter what, even if it's very boundaried, even if it's a broken situation. But this commandment is also about understanding respect for generations, Respect for the previous generation, because the commandment tells us to honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You'll be a generation. And then there's other generations. So you had a survey this past week. 
If you took it, thank you. If you didn't, we're going to play a game that's going to kind of summarize a lot of the things you would have learned in your survey called Not My Generation. I'm going to do real quick, we're going to have different slides. There's going to be 10 of them. We're going to do it quick. And you're going to have an opportunity on each of them, right? The year you were born or just sink it in your head because your generation, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1989. You might not be a millennial. I don't know. There are a lot of baby boomers filled out my survey, so that was exciting. Lots of baby boomers. So here we go. Use the QR code and let's go to the first one. You're going to either, you're going to raise your hand for not my generation. There's going to be two choices on each. Top Gun, talk to me goose or not my generation. Raise your hand if this is not your generation. This is not my generation. I've never seen Top Gun. Not even once. Not even once. Go to the next one. Baby Shark, is it still banned in my house or not my generation? Raise your hand if it's not your generation. It's still banned in my house. We used it in potty training the other day because, like, that's the only thing we have. Like, we have nothing. You guys had M&Ms when you potty trained. We have Baby Shark. It's madness. Go to the next one. Spice Girls, wannabe, not my generation, or I could sing all the words right now. Who says not my generation? Who knows all the words? Who knows all the words? Good for you guys. Look at that. Uh, not my generation. Okay, next one. I will survive. Are you kidding me? The song gets me on the dance floor at every wedding or not my generation? Anyone not my generation? We all do I will survive. Wow, look at that. That's unifying. We're going to rename our church, not Faith Community Church, Gloria Gaynor Community Church. All right, next one. I've never understood the fascination with Rocky IV, the worst of the Rocky movies. Don't like this movie at all. It's not my generation. Who agrees with me? Not my generation or do you all love it? Thank you. You didn't love it. Not my generation. All right, next one, Jaws. Is it the reason I still won't go ankle deep in the ocean? Or is it not your generation? Who's not your generation on this one? The reason I still won't go ankle deep in the ocean. I was the other day at the beach, and literally there was like the yellow flag, and I got terrified. I was like, what is happening right now? I heard the music in my head, and I was having like heart palpitations. Next one, the Harlem Shake. Do you remember this? It's a little viral thing. Look, we're doing all different generations. Okay. The Harlem Shake, not my generation? Or should your Harlem Shake have gone viral? Anybody think the Harlem Shake could have gone viral? Our youth group, I think it should have gone viral. It was legendary. Next one, is it, okay, it's not the iPad, it's not the iPod, the turtleneck. Is it the king of all shirts or not my generation? <laughs> Who says not my generation on the turtleneck? Okay. And two more. The Rubik's Cube. Who can solve it in under two minutes? Not my generation. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard for all millennials, Facebook. Who was that guy, Tom, anyways? And why were we all friends with him? And why did he do this little... It was so strange. Who's not my generation on Tom? Okay. So here's why I did this. I want us to look at this commandment. We can go to the next slide now because here's my question. What does honor in commandment number five mean? Honor your father and mother. This is a hard one because we have a 21st century understanding of what it means to honor. I went on Plymouth's premier news source this past week in addition to polling my lovely church. I went on All Things Plymouth and I typed in the following question. Anyone know All Things Plymouth? Plymouth's premier news source. Okay? All right. I only got sworn at by four people on it when I asked my question. It was like a new record. I was amazed. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Okay. 
So I go in there and I said, what does it mean to you to honor your father and mother? What do you think the number one thing I got in response was? Respect. From a 21st century perspective, I think that is fair. I think when we think of honoring our father and mother, it's the proper respect. We know that family relationships are, are complicated. We know that some people are sons serving in churches with their dad, and some people have very boundaried or even broken relationships, and there's different ways to respect our father and mother. Okay. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, when we look at this original Hebrew, honor your father and mother doesn't actually, the Hebrew word doesn't necessarily mean respect. It means something really specific. It means this phrase, to weigh heavily upon, to appropriately put weight on. It's not necessarily just to respect. That helps. But when we think of honor your father and mother, it's to appropriately lean on. Now, what does that mean? Okay. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. You met her a couple minutes ago. She helped with the announcement. She was so excited to do that. She, a year ago, was a year and a half old, and we went to the swimming pool for the first time. She had never been in the swimming pool before, and I put her little flamingo life jacket on her. You've seen those kind of little kid floaties. Very cute. And I plop her in the water, and what do you think the first thing she did? Screams and bear hugs me and almost chokes me to death. Okay? She didn't know what was going on, so appropriately leaning on me, weighing on me heavily in an appropriate way, was literally holding on for dear life and squeezing the life out of my neck because she wanted to make sure she was safe. But as she got more comfortable in the water each day, and actually we went twice a day, she really ended up liking it, eventually she got to the point where she was just holding my pinky. She was still respecting me, honoring me as her parent, weighing heavily upon me, leaning on me, but it was less. It was this idea in education we call this gradual release. The idea of schools, they're supposed to take a kindergartner who can't do anything, and they're supposed to release you as an 18-year-old senior in high school ready for college. Now, schools, let's be honest, don't really do this anymore, but that's the idea. The idea of school is this principle of gradual release, and that is what it means to appropriately lean on, to weigh heavily upon, it's to honor your parents, is to have the appropriate relationship at the given point. So when you're 18 months old in the swimming pool, it's to bear hug dad when you don't know how to swim. When you get older, maybe it's, I joked about how we're using baby shark to potty train, maybe it's learning from the cues of our parents. As we're a teenager, those are dark times and dark years, we honor our parents different when we're as teenagers. Maybe we don't then. Maybe it's in our 20s when we apologize to our parents for not honoring them in our teenage years. And as we go, grow older, our parents grow older too. And weighing heavily upon them, honoring them changes. And as they get elderly, and sometimes they have great health, and sometimes they have dementia, that role changes, and it gets complicated. And yes, there are times where we have really boundaried relationships with them, and that's okay too, because honoring is not this one-size-fits-all thing it's appropriately weighing heavily upon them. But I want us to really understand in this commandment, it's not just about parents. And so if we don't get anything else, I'm going to throw a slide up. Look at this. It's actually the next one. I'm sorry. I got out of order because I want to show you. When I first honor God, everything else falls into place. 
If I have a broken relationship with my parents and you say, David, uh, you know, I, I, how do I honor my parents? It's so much brokenness, so difficult, I can't. Okay, then check this out. Honor God first with your heart. Everything else will fall into place. Things will start to make sense. God will make sense of situations. That doesn't mean life will be perfect. That doesn't mean you're going to live a Disney movie. That doesn't mean everything's going to work out perfectly as you want it. It means that things will fall into place. We can live reasonably happy when we honor God first. And that is the essence of this commandment. We first want to appropriately weigh upon God, respect God, honor God. Everything else will fall into place. And that's where, now we'll go back one slide. I skipped out of order. We meet this guy, Absalom. Absalom is a non-example of what it means to honor God, and he's a non-example of what it means to honor his parents. He didn't honor God, he didn't honor his father, he didn't honor his mother, but he did think he was pretty cool himself. Sometimes we look at the Scripture and we say, wow, I don't get it. Anybody want to be honest and ever say, you look at the Bible and you don't, don't get why we have it? It's okay, you can think that, you don't have to... You don't have to raise your hand, but sometimes we think that, and we think that there's all these perfect people in the Bible, that they're like, they lived perfectly, and now we put them on high, and we have to follow them. No, that's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a bunch of really messed up people doing really messed up things and failing, and sometimes they're faithful, but usually not, and we can learn from them from their non-examples. Absalom shows us exactly not how to love your parents, exactly not how to love God. So who is Absalom? Real quick, we're having an interactive day. It's hot, so we're going to keep interactive. Who has heard of Absalom in the Bible before? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's pretty common. This is a lesser-known character. I will argue this is the most important character in the Bible you've never heard of. And I'll tell you why. He's the son of King David, and we meet him in the 13th chapter of 2 Samuel. And Absalom avenges an awful crime. An awful, horrible crime happens, and he decides to become basically a vigilante and to end the other person's life. And this creates problems because he didn't just wait for justice to happen the normal way. He took matters into his own hand, and now he's estranged from his family and from his society. And now, instead of seeing that his father, King David... David the shepherd boy, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. King David continually is like, I love Absalom. Let's have him come back home. I love Absalom. Let's give him another chance. I want to forgive Absalom, please. And you see over and over in these chapters, I love Absalom. It's okay. Yeah, he's doing this. Come home. I love you, son. We'll figure it out. Come home. Come home. David's trying to show forgiveness. Absalom keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Right before our text today, he starts burning down fields because he's basically like, I'm going to create an ultimatum. You'll read about this encouraging words this week. He's basically like, I'm going to burn down fields and the king's either going to forgive me or kill me, which sounds crazy because he doesn't understand that when I honor God first, everything else falls into place. He just thinks he's great. Now, why does he think he's great? This is a really funny thing in the Old Testament. People say that the Bible is boring. Here's an example. It's not. Remember, or not my generation, I'm going to use a name. You're going to tell me not my generation or not. Fabio. Anyone know who Fabio is? I can't believe it's not butter. Okay. He is the biblical Fabio. It talks about how he only cuts his hair a couple times a year, and his hair is literally five pounds. Now, why is that an important part in the Scripture? I don't know, but it is. He's got five pounds of beautiful, majestic hair, kind of like Troy Polamalu for the L'Oreal commercials, like in the, the Pantene, right? 
Like, oh, so beautiful, so luscious, the hair. So Absalom is this guy who he could have honored God, but he didn't. And that gets us to our text today. Our text today is 2 Kings chapter 15. There's a couple quick parts of this text. I invite you later to go back and read it in depth. Here's what happens. Absalom makes himself available, and we'll, we'll wait on our points because I want to summarize. He makes himself available to be loved by people. It's a popularity contest. And he just continues to rush out every single day, go outside the city, and he's like, hey, I'm not the king, but I'm better than the king. You would do right by me if you hurt, let me hear your case. Then he's kissing everybody, and he's showing all this weird affection when he's not being formal. He's just like hugging, kissing everyone, but not an authentic, available, I love you way, in a weird, icky, like, I'm manipulating you way. And then finally, he uses his authority to send out conspirators and to create a rebellion and to declare himself the king. He doesn't honor God. He's the non-example for honoring God. And you could say, David, I thought this was a message about honoring your parents. Yes, it is. Because we can't honor our parents if we don't honor God. If, if I look at it and say, so I'm not going to worry about my relationship with the Lord, but I really care about this other thing. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when I brought out the sledgehammer and I said, today is demolition day. If I take something else and try to put it on God's level or above God's level, that becomes an idol. Don't make anyone or anything more important than God is the second commandment. If I take my parents and make them more important than God, they become an idol. So we're not honoring our parents above God. We're honoring God first, and then everything else is falling into place. And the first way we do this is with our availability. Let's look at what Absalom does. This is right at the beginning of the chapter. Absalom got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Absalom completely misused his availability. Now, all of us, it's interesting. Does anyone feel really busy? Does anyone feel like your life is just full of busyness? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can think it. That means you're available for busyness. The things that make you busy, that was your availability. It takes it all up. But if you're busy, that's proof that you have availability and you're using it towards all these things. Maybe good, maybe bad. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you're feeling your cup is full. I don't know. That's a separate conversation. Anybody feel like you just have tons and tons of free time? That's availability too. We have availability no matter what. One of the ways we can honor God is with our availability. Are we consistently going to the Lord in prayer? We talked about pausing last week. Are we taking a time of a day off rest? Because that, with our availability, honors God. And I, and I shared that on those times that I go with my family to the beach and turn my phone off and bye-bye phone, see you later, right? Gone. I'm able to be a better husband. I'm able to be a better dad. I'm able to be a better friend. And I'm able to honor God. Absalom doesn't honor God with his availability. Instead, he uses the availability, runs out, tries to get everybody to like him, to schmooze. Say, hey, I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. If I was the king, I would do so much better. Pick me instead. He has the opportunity to love God. He has the opportunity to love his dad. His dad is the king. He could just go to dad and say, hey, dad, um, so I've messed up in the past. I'm sorry about that. 
I shouldn't have burned down those fields. You forgave me. That was amazing. Uh, can't believe that. Wow, that was really cool, Dad. Thanks. Okay, so I'd like to be available now. What would you like to have me do? I have some talents. People find me kind of easy to talk to. How can I serve the kingdom? How can I serve you? How can I serve God? He doesn't do that. Instead, he's all about himself. I think about something that I learned in my life. When we came to the time of the pandemic where the world was shut down, my parents' dog became sick with cancer. And my parents decided that my mom was going to drive the dog and her to Grafton once a week for cancer treatments. And I looked at it, and let's be honest, that was a time in our lives where we became a lot less busy. Was that anyone else's experience? Summer of 2020, we were a lot less busy. Late spring, early summer 2020, we were less busy. We had more free time. I saw people learning how to, like fifth-year-old men learning how to longboard, right? There was all these people doing rock climbing. It was a different kind of availability. And I had an opportunity to invest couple hours once a week with my mom in the car driving her so she wouldn't have to drive herself to take the dog for cancer treatments. I was shocked at how much that simple action transformed my relationship with my mother. Shocked. Like, ridiculous. Like, we are the closest we've ever been in my life. And a lot of it, I'm not saying, wow, look at me, I invested so hard. No, I'm saying, when we make ourselves available, when I honor God first, and then I make myself available the right way. God uses that and does amazing things with that. So here's my question for you. How are you using your calendar? We all have availability. Are you using it for God and to serve people, to love God, to love other people? Or are you kind of using your calendar like Absalom and saying, hey, I got this time. I'm going to run out to the, in front of the city and look at me, everybody. I'm so awesome. I don't have anything else going on, but I could be. You should pick me and I'll be a better leader. We have an opportunity to say, okay, I can honor God. I can lean on Him appropriately. And that gives me a chance to serve people, to be available, to make a difference, to make a difference in my neighborhood, in my community, in my workplace, in my family, to be available to listen to people. And Absalom doesn't do that. He also doesn't honor with his affection. He does this bizarre thing where he's kissing everybody and being weird. Look at what it says here. He took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment, and so he stole the hearts of all the people. Whether we like it or not, affection has power. Is anybody a big hugger? Not my generation on that. I'm not a big hugger. In fact, uh, when they told us we weren't allowed to touch people, uh, what was my response, Laura? How excited was I? For a time. But I understand the power of, I don't like being touched. I say there's like five people I'm fine with, with having touched me, my mother, my wife, my two children, and sometimes my dog. Other than that, prefer not to be touched. However, affection is part of our life. Affection is part of our society, and there's appropriate ways to use affection. There's appropriate ways to honor God with our affection. You'll say, David, that makes no sense. God isn't like physically here. How do I have affection for God? What are you even talking about? Your, that's madness. Okay. So, you've ever heard of things like the love languages, one of the ways we honor God is with words of affirmation. We get down on our knees and we say, hey God, um, you are Lord, I am not. Please help me today. Um, just give me the strength. I'm having a hard time with patience. 
Let me be a little more patient. I had a difficult thing happen to me last night, so give me the ability to just be more patient today. You're God, I'm not. Thank you that you're awesome. Amen. You could say, David, that's the most informal prayer I've ever heard. Yeah, okay, maybe. But we can give God our affection. We can give God those words of affirmation. We can also spend quality time with God. One of the ways that we do affection with people, quality time, that's part of Gary Chapman's love languages, is we don't sit there on our phone and say like, hey, I'm spending, have you ever done this? You go to a restaurant, you pay like $100 to have a fancy meal, and the whole time you're like this. Oh, what was that? Hold on. Oh, oh you were talking? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, hold on, I'm on Instagram. Give me a second. Okay, that's not quality time, and I'm not calling anybody out. What I'm saying is we have the ability to show affection to God first, to our family, to our parents, and it makes a big difference. Absalom knew the power of affection. Don't think that he was just randomly kissing everybody when he should have been formal. He knew he was manipulating them. He knew he was stealing their hearts. My question is, are we willing to spend quality time with God first? Are we willing to affirm God first? Are we willing to give gifts for God first? These are all the love languages. Are we willing to, maybe physical touch is hard, but maybe it's stillness. Maybe you're someone who lives a life really busy and you say, you know what, God, the physical touch I'm going to give is I'm going to sit on a chair with my hands folded, I'm going to pray, maybe I'll hold my Bible, and I'm just going to give you affection first. Because when we do that, it makes a huge difference in our lives. I will tell you that at the beginning of the pandemic for the first 100 days, we did a 100-day prayer meeting where we went to God first, and I was part of it. I had the opportunity to co-lead it. We had the chance to do that every single day to give God our time and affection. Out of that, I started to realize that God was calling me away from the schools and towards eventual full-time ministry. But I wouldn't have known that if I'd been honoring myself and saying, hey, you know, teachers get kind of a break. We're learning from home, so I can go play more 2K and level up my character in the basement. But if we give our affection to God, everything else starts to fall in place. Absalom didn't do that. Absalom didn't give God his affection. He gave all these people his affection and schmooze, and it was weird. What about us? Are we willing to spend quality time with the Lord? Are we willing to say, I, you know, I I've own a Bible. Uh, yeah, I own a Bible. Maybe I don't know it as, as well as I should. It would be helpful to get to know it better. Can I send, spend some quality time with the Lord? Can I open up to the book of James and get some practical ideas for today? Can I open up to John's gospel because I've never read the Bible really ever other than a couple of times they've done it in, in church. Can I read John's gospel? Maybe I'll grab a New Living Translation that's on our welcome table because it's so easy to read. I'll spend some quality time with God. and I'll honor Him with first affection. And then I'll be amazed at the way other things start to fall in place. My relationship with my parents, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my workplace. Everything else can have meaning when it comes from there, and I invite us to do that. Are we willing to be appropriately affectionate with people and completely affectionate with God first? Because Absalom wasn't. He didn't honor God. He didn't honor his parents. He was a schmoozer. And finally, it takes us to honoring with authority. Every single person, I told you everybody has availability, everybody has authority. Whether you 
run a Fortune 500 company and you have a huge sphere of influence, or you're someone who lives alone with your cat, you have authority. Because the person who lives alone with their cat has authority to not have lord, lording dominion over the cat, but to be a kind caretaker and to take care of the cat. And if you're in your Fortune 500 company, you have the opportunity for authority. We all are given authority in our lives. Absalom was under the assumption that he was going to be king. He was the next in line by age after the death of his older brother. And he was the prince. And he didn't honor God with his authority. Instead, he rallies a rebellion and he kicks his dad out of the city. Here's what it says. While he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes to stir up a rebellion against the king. Whether he felt like he had authority or influence or not, he did. You and I can sit here and feel maybe like we've got too much authority and like, wow, I'm managing all these people for the first time and it's a lot. Or maybe we're sitting here and saying, yeah, I don't really have a lot of authority. No, not true. Once again, I've done a lot of phone stuff today, but if you have a phone and you have a contact list, you have the ability to talk to people and have authority. If you're sitting here in a building, we know that the First Amendment case from years back said that you have the authority that if you yell fire in a crowded theater or in a crowded room, that that carries weight and authority and responsibility. We all have authority and we can choose with the social connections, the prestige, the age, the experience, the positions. You fill in the blank. We've got them. You can choose to use that to honor God or you can be like Absalom and stir up a rebellion. I just had a month. I finish up tomorrow. I just had a month where I got to be the acting pastor for a month. I made a joke and I said, you guys probably are so sick of me after this that you don't have to see me for another month. But the truth is, I could have taken that month and made my, li my dad's life a whole mess, right? Could have fought with people. I could have said all sorts of weird things. I could have started a, a different rumor mills and all sorts of things. Because when we are given whatever it is, we have authority. I have children. Laura and I have this, Laura's my wife, we have this recurring conversation and we realize that we've taught Ruby that Jesus' love is in our heart, and we realize that children are very, we use the word programmable. Now, we want to teach them to love God, to love Jesus, to pray. But we realize if we want to do something more dastardly, we could have. Uh, there's a funny story. Uh, here's Klingon. Does anyone know Klingon? Klingon? Okay. Not my generation? Okay. It's a funny story about a guy who decided, maybe not funny, there's a guy who decided he's a linguist, and he decided he was going to teach his son to only speak Klingon for the first five years of his life. We can do that. We have authority over children. Now, maybe our children turn 18 and they never want us again because they're like, why did you teach me to only speak in Klingon? That was bizarre, Dad. But we all have authority. We have authority in our workplaces. I look around and I see people of various positions in our community. There's a song in Sesame Street, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? Right now I see doctors in here. I see builders in here. I see teachers in here. I see parents in here. These are all the people in my neighborhood. I see actors in here. I see people who run crews. I see... People who run salons. I see various people in my neighborhood. I see nurses here. I see an airplane mechanic. 
We all have authority. We all have different places that we've been put. Absalom used that to start a rebellion. We have the opportunity to say, hey, I am where I'm at in my life. I have authority. I can honor God first. Because when we honor God first, let's go to our final slide. Everything else falls into place. It's not perfect. I'm not promising you some health and wealth idea for your life. I'm not saying that you're going you're gonna to look like Fabio. We joked about that. Or you're going you're gonna to just be some great physical specimen. I'm not saying that life is going to be perfect for you. I'm saying when we honor God, life starts to make a little more sense. When I say, God, I want to get right with you. I want to put you first in my life. I want to lean appropriately on you and allow you to be Lord, not me. Things start to make sense like my relationship with my parents. I shared with you that I'm really fortunate to come from a wonderful Christian home. I know not everyone is. I'm not expecting you to have my life experience. I'm inviting you to say, hey, maybe I come from a really wonderful Christian background and my parents are wonderful men and women of faith. Maybe that's not the case. I'm going to honor God. This is something we've talked about in our Ten Commandments for Everyday Life series. No matter what came before, we can choose to obey God. No matter what happened yesterday, I can be faithful. No matter what thing I've put above God, He's inviting me to smash it down and just follow Him. So as we think of the everyday life applications of the Ten Commandments, if I honor God, I can use that all things Plymouth definition, that respect, that works. If I respect God, everything else falls into place. If I appropriately lean on God, maybe it's a bear hug right now. Maybe I need bear hug Jesus. Maybe I need to just throw my, my arms around Jesus and squeeze the life out of his neck because I feel like I'm drowning in that swimming pool. That's okay too. Maybe I just need to hold his pinky. It doesn't matter. When I honor God, everything else in my life falls into place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you've given us the opportunity to serve you, to follow you obediently, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We're so grateful that we can continue to read Scripture, to learn, to be kinder, to be gentler, to be more obedient, and to learn to serve the people in our neighborhoods. We ask that you teach each of us to learn from that non-example of Absalom as we grapple with this idea of what does it mean to honor you, what does it mean to honor our parents, to honor our spouse, to honor our children, to honor our neighbor, to honor our coworker, everyone else in their right place. God, give us the, the courage to put you first. If we're not doing that, give us the willingness to say, God, I love you. I'm sorry. I want to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.